You are listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Melbourne to Baltimore, from London to Piraeus. We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never lose the latest updates and stories of the team you love. This is our team, our city, and our land. Man, You're listening to the Gate 7 International Podcast. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. Thank you for tuning in with us today. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with my co-host, Adi. It is a Sunday afternoon for both of us here. Uh, we're going to chat a little bit about the uh, the game that took place last week, or I guess earlier this week. Is Sunday part of whatever? Um we're going to chat about that game, 1-1 one, one draw. We're going to talk tactics. Adi's got Scout data here. And we're going to go into a little bit of what do we need to change for next leg as well. We do have another episode coming out tomorrow, the return of Metodi Shumanov, our wonderful Bulgarian football expert. And he's going to be discussing what Luda Goretz are thinking about, what the feeling is like in Bulgaria. But today we are here to talk about the Olympiakos side of it. Adi, how's it going? How you doing, Peter? You know, I saw the other day while I was at work a sign outside of an apartment complex, and tenants are no longer to, allowed to have dogs that weigh more than 20 pounds. So I'm a little perplexed by that because I don't understand the reasoning. See, I, I'm not a dog person. My parents were allergic when I was little, but so I don't know exactly how big 20 pounds is. I guess like I can think of it like a dumbbell. Like, can I curl the how, how easily can I curl the dog? But the point I want to make is I, I'm personally not a big fan of dogs under 20 pounds. Like those would be like the little chihuahuas. I'm, yeah. I'm, and I'm, Pomeranians. They're dicks. I'm, you know, if, if it suit, if it floats your boat, that's good for you. I have some friends who, who have the little dogs and love them and that's good. But me, you know, I want a big boy that, you know, is just a big boy that you can give a hug and, you know, me too. but anyway, me too. that, that is, yeah. that is something, but yeah, it's uh I just gave myself a trim, gave one of the skills I picked up in quarantine, gave myself a haircut. So people in the chat comment on, on scale of, of dead trim to really good trim. How, how are we looking like scale of zero to 10? Feel free to, to be honest with me in the chat. I'll take some pointers and feedback, but I know this bit is uh, the green screen's also not being kind to me here, but anyway, so Adi, let's get into it. We do have a couple things we want to announce before we do uh, really get into the meat of the podcast here. We are coming up on our one-year anniversary of Gate 7 International. Uh, I believe it's next week, Adi. Is it the 15th? Exactly on 16th. the day. 16th, okay. Well, 16th is technically the day the first episode aired, but the day we recorded, of course, was the day before. So, Okay, if, so we'll, yeah. we'll have something out on the 15th. Um, we're thinking maybe Boozing with the Boys, part three, I believe. That's That's a thought that's been floated in the air. Uh, George will of course be in attendance if we can get that to work. Uh, so we'll see about that. We're thinking about some things, another chance for us to massage our egos after our hundredth episode. And we gave ourselves a good massage of the ego. So we love stuff like that. Um, keep your eyes out for stuff on social media, gate seven, INTL on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. If you would like to learn more, 
And uh, and then as always, Adi, what's the deal with the HEPA? What's what's going on in a HEPA right now? Uh, well, guys, as I mentioned before, the Supreme Convention just came to an end. So a new year of philanthropy and Hellenic defense is upon us. So there are thing, new scholarship opportunities, new opportunities for all current and uh, new members uh, and their children. If you're going into school, take advantage of some of these scholarship opportunities. Uh, if you're younger, we had some younger listeners asking about AHEPA. Uh, and by younger, I mean like under the age of 23. There is an organization, uh, at least nationwide across the United States, called Sons of Pericles. Uh, Sons of Pericles, it's if you're a younger adult, obviously, uh, something you can get involved with and do a lot of fun things as well with the Young Adult League or with various other Sons of Pericles or Maids of Athena chapters. Sons of Pericles is for uh, young Greek men, and then Maids of Athena is for young Greek women. And then obviously when you get older, you can join Ahepa, the Brotherhood of Ahepa, or the Sisterhood of the Daughters of Penelope. So... Uh, all great things that you can get involved in. And as the new year gets started, a lot of great opportunities for students and everybody else to get involved and get some great scholarships. Hell yeah. There we go. And even more exciting. You know what time it is. New ad read, baby. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We are all experiencing this for the first time. Thank you to our sponsor, Piraeus International. Piraeus International is your one-stop shop for all of your international trans-shipping needs. Whether you're shipping olive oil, packages, cars, or relocating completely, Piraeus International is here to help. Freight forwarding services are available to almost any port around the world, whether you're in North America, Europe, Africa, Asia, South America, Australia, Adi, are they working on Antarctica? We have to, we have to ask that question, maybe to some, some researchers down there. That's, we'll, we'll have to get back to you on that. But anyway, yeah. whatever you need, just contact our friends at 410-675-4696 or send them an email at sales at PiraeusINTL.com. So there you go, guys, Piraeus International. Um, Adi, we do have a couple news points we want to get over. First and most importantly, um, we do want to just address um, last week, including when the game was going on, some terrible, terrible things were happening in Greece. Uh, some some fires that were really devastating large parts of Athens and ultimately large parts of the country as a whole. Um, there's there's a whole lot of stuff going on with this. Obviously, many people are are feeling the effects of this, and um, other some other countries are providing support. You know, but you know, we just want to express our thoughts and prayers are with all of the people of Greece who are affected by this terrible tragedy and. Um, you know, the, the club as well, I believe has, has put some money into philanthropy, into, um, supporting these people, which is, is very nice of Mr. Matignakis to do that. Um, but we are just all, all, all of our thoughts and prayers. We're just hoping that those people can, can find relief that they need and that this can end quickly. And we have shared on our socials guys, uh, multiple organizations, multiple, uh, vetted pages that are actually donating to the cause. Uh, on our Instagram, we have a couple of stories and links to some pages that uh, a couple that are selling merchandise and they're donating 100% of the profits to uh, NGOs that are helping with the fires. The Hellenic Initiative is also doing something similar. They're accepting donations. That is an organization that 
uh, I have dealt with personally myself, both through AHEPA and otherwise. Uh, they are doing; they do great work. They've always done philanthropic work with various crises, including the recession in Greece, as well as with entrepreneurial development. So check that out. There's plenty, plenty of of goods of vetted charitable causes for this. So check our socials; we they're all on there. And you can donate directly if you miss those posts and you are don't know where to go. Just DM us and we'll send you the links ourselves. Yeah, there you go. Please, um, we all I, we all can do something, and and uh, you know every little bit helps. So if if you have a little bit to spare, there's some some stuff that we shared, as Adi said. So um, yeah, really hoping that this can can get fixed and and everyone is affected as little as possible. Um, back to football news. We do have a little bit of a coefficient update with some of the other games that took place last week uh, because Pauk lost to Bohemians and we drew. Uh, Denmark have now passed us on the coefficient, Adi. Um, so we are sitting now in 20th. Denmark go up to 19th. Now, um, Adi, what does this mean? Because we've been really chasing this number 15 spot. Um, it's obviously not great that another country has passed us, but do you have any other comments to make on the coefficient here? It just goes to show that it gets, it does get worse. Our number can drop. We didn't think it could get further. Technically, we did finish in 20th at the end of last season. But then, of course, the five-year coefficient updates when the new season starts. And we went back up to 19th because a couple of countries lost really good years on their coefficient, their five-year coefficient average. So, But now we're back to 20. Now, it doesn't get any worse in terms of our number of berths, our number of positions in European competition. We could go to 30th, and we still get one person in uh, the first round qualification of Champions League and three teams three teams in European Conference League. So that doesn't change. But it sucks because we want to move up to 15th to get not only more teams in Europe, but in better seedings, in, in closer to the group stage. It's sad. Uh, we're not going to waste a lot of time on this because it's already something we've beaten. Uh, what do they say? Beat a dead horse. It, it's a dead horse we've beaten over and over again. So uh, we're not going to focus on that. Uh, but besides that, in more positive news, uh, guys, there is a giveaway going on on our Instagram page. So if you haven't done it already and you're interested, it is a you know solid new home kit. Uh, it's It's a great giveaway. It's our first giveaway. Uh, as a podcast. So we're really pumped about that. The rules are easy. If you don't follow us on Instagram already, follow us in the comments, tag two friends. And I think that's it. <laughs> it's as easy as that. And you're going to be entered to win uh, potentially a uh, a home kit. And uh, I think that's it. Now you can only get one entry. So you can tag multiple people. We've had people tag Lots of people, and we thank you for that, but it still only gives you one entry. We will announce the winner next episode, or sorry, next Sunday, on the next Sunday episode, I should say. Yeah, and uh, just to clarify, I think the kit, correct me if I'm wrong, Adi, is a medium. Um, so, you know, obviously, can't please everyone here, but, um, you know, it, it's always nice to have an Olympiakos kit. Um, Zafirok 05, you're just in time. We have not talked about the game yet, and we're just about to get into it. Um, so Adi, the first thing I want to say is changes are needed. I think we can all say that pretty confidently. I think most of the fan base agrees with that. We came out in the three, four, three with the two men midfield. To me, the two big things were the midfield looked really overrun. Um, and maybe that's just because of personnel, but 
you know, it seemed as if we had a bit of trouble, um, you know, holding down that part of the pitch. And then also I would say uh, El Arabi has to play instead of Hassan. Those are probably two things that I would change right off the rip. But Adi, you've gone through the data, so I wonder what your perspective would be here. Muted. Sorry, I didn't realize I muted. Uh, rookie mistake. But yeah, the data kind of already showed more or less what we expected. Um, now, as far as the context, there is some context that is worth bringing up. Some things may or may not surprise you guys with respect to what did and didn't happen. Now, as far as what we did see, look, the 3-4-3 against teams that are going to sit deeper on us, it's not a good idea. This was a game where we needed to clog the midfield, and we didn't, and we paid the price. And the data shows that. When we switched, we actually switched to, it was like a 4-1-3-2. You could say a 4-4-2, when, especially when Jan and Vila came on. Uh, Jan and Vila was the lone pivot, and then we had two midfielders ahead of him with the wingers pinched in, plus we had our two forwards. Um so you could call it a 4-4-2, a 4-1-3-2, whatever. It's, it, you know, it's similar. But when we clogged the midfield, we saw that things changed. So the obviously tactically, I believe that we should be stacking the midfield more. I don't think we should be relying on the 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, that's me personally. But I'm not going to also say that the formation was the only problem. There were other structural issues. There were other issues with the team that we need to that need to be addressed. And first and foremost, Peter, and you you commented on this yourself uh, when we were watching the game together in the group thread. Uh, better movement is needed in the midfield when when our center backs have the ball. How many times were Semedo, Ba, or Cisse caught? And they would have the ball, and there's nobody moving to space. And, okay, it was ridiculously hot. Moving all the time is tough. But at the very least, where were the options? You know what I mean? You had Madi and Kunde sometimes stuck so far forward, there was nobody. And I didn't remember seeing too many issues with our wingbacks dropping back. But if they're dropping back, it only takes one guy, one person pressing the ball to move a little bit more to the side and cut the lane away. Then you have the midfield wide open, but nobody's there presenting themselves. That's a huge problem. Huge problem. And without that movement, how are you going to get the ball moving forward? Now, this was also reflected in the data because in the first half, we had we had attempted a total of 211 passes. Now, of those 211 passes, Peter, how many were you, do you think were forward? Forward passes. Hmm. Um, I'm going to say 50%, not even, not even close 61 passes, not even a third of our passes were forward passes. Now, look, contextually speaking, this isn't weird if somebody's packing the box, but we saw that the majority, and it's, it's usually like this, that the majority of our passes are lateral passes. And we had 61 forward 36 backwards, but the most of the problem was the restarts, the lack of movement in the midfield. This is what happens when you don't pass and move well, or or you don't have enough bodies, enough people moving off the ball to create those options, and that's a huge problem. So regardless of whether we run a three four three, a four two three one, or a four three three, or a, sorry, or a four 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 two, this is going to be a problem. And the second thing, aside from the possession and the lack of movement in the midfield, Peter. Our execution in the final third has been a 
abysmal. And it's not just in this game. It's been pretty bad. We saw it in the friendlies. I mean, and this was the last year problem as well, Adi. It, it was. It was. But we did manage to break through. We did manage to break through and at a, at a solid rate. But in the preseason so far, it's been worrisome. And when we don't have a guy like Fortunis that can come on, a guy that can really make an impact when he comes on and break teams apart, what are, what are our options? Baby Camara, okay, he had a decent showing. All right. But he's young. You can't rely on him to do that all the time. Who else do we have that can do what Fortunis would do to unlock some of these teams? We don't have a lot of guys that can do that. Maybe on Yakuru. I don't, I, he's not going to have the impact that Fortunis had. But yeah, I don't see know, the creativity he, from him, to be honest with you. Exactly. And you're, and that's what you're, that's what you're looking at. Um, we have a comment here from Eleftherios Machinis. The problem was, firstly, Scottish ref. Secondly, we play with a lot of long passes. Not good. Uh, look, at, I'm not, We've, we talked about this before. I'm not going to disagree that the ref was shitty, but that's not why we drew this game. That's not that's not the reason. Yeah, he had to, uh, some terrible calls, both ends, especially the Hassan, the elbow. Hassan's bleeding, and he gives a drop ball out. Like, what the? Terrible. But that's not why we drew this game. We drew this game because we were poor. Uh, and yeah, hero ball is not good. We did. We played a lot of hero ball, and I think that was more out of desperation. But the execution in the final third, it's not just, oh, our shots were shit. Oh, we weren't making a lot happen when we got the ball. The, the problem was the final ball, the final pass before a shot was made, and the shot was terrible. They were bad. They were really bad. Look at, look at our crosses, all right? So traditionally, guys, uh, and this is if we go back the last eight years it, with, with our data, almost every season, Olympiacos tends to connect almost 40% of its crosses, right? That's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I mean, that's a nice – a lot of teams do that. That's a, it's a good figure. So against Ludogorets, we had 29 crosses, guys. 29. That was a lot of volume, a ton of volume. But we only connected eight. We connected eight of 29 crosses. That should go to show you how shit our delivery was or how few people were actually able to get on anything in the box because it goes both ways here. Twenty. That's a 27% conversion rate. That's terrible. So, I mean, obviously, look, you're not going to get everybody getting their head on everything or even getting it on goal, but you want people to at least connect and at least get something on it. Oleg in particular, guys, you saw the stats that we sent up earlier that we put on our uh, on our socials. Oleg had seven crosses, but z hit zero heads. Zero heads. Zero. That's unacceptable. I Guys, I looked across Europe to find a game where another player, wingback, winger, I didn't care that that had five or more crosses and didn't at least connect one. I couldn't find one in the last calendar year. I couldn't find one. That is horrible. So we've always talked about Martin's values, volume over accuracy. He just wants, it's, it's, it's money ball with the respect. He just wants to see that there's stuff going in there because if you have enough, something's going to turn up. And that's true to an extent, but we can't have more games like this. 30 crosses, you're connecting less than 30%. 30 crosses, only one or two things get to the goal? That's that's poor. Now, uh, Lambro is, I see, is dogging me here in the comments a little bit. Uh, 
remember when Adi was critical of Lombro for criticizing Oleg? What's he saying now? I never disagreed that his crossing was shit. His crossing is shit, but he offers a lot of other things for us. He's a he is a good player, guys. He's a good player. He has a head for the game. Energy is incredible. He led it. He led the he led the game in overlaps, by the way, guys, for both teams. So he offers that movement. He offers that width. But his we need to work on his crossing accuracy, and that's that's the problem. That is the problem. So Peter, now that you have that have that data, does that does that more or less lend credence to what you already believe that our final third execution is shit? Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people in the comments are saying things about Onya Karu. Lambro makes the point in the comments as well that Oleg may be unable to play, and we may be going with Apostolopoulos. That's that's what the the chatter is um which would be as opposed to see say at left back i suppose but at the end of the day um you know we need to we need just new players as, as much as i hate to say that like we need someone who can get in those positions and get across on somebody's head i think andruzos can do it decently well and we haven't seen him a whole lot maybe it's it's time for him to play on tuesday um oleg is out of our control he's not going to play as you say adi he does a lot of good things but uh, maybe Apostolopoulos can get in those areas and get some crosses on people's heads. But yeah, I mean, we've we've known this about Oleg. His delivery is quite poor, but um, a lot of the other players on the team are also not really providing support in that sense. Like it's Masuras has gotten a bit better, but still inconsistent. Lazar kills a bird whenever he tries to cross. Valbuena is a decent crosser, but he can't play. He can't do it for the whole game, and he's not always on those wide positions. Vrusai is still getting back to it. We don't know what, what's going to happen with him. Chumich is not really in Martin's plans, it seems. Like, maybe Henry comes in and can do it. Maybe. Maybe Henry helps because he can get on the end of some of the crosses, like Adi talked about in his deep dive. That's a skill that he has. Um, but That's I really think it is, it's, you know, as you said, Adi, like, Oleg is the main culprit because, like, as you said, that record is is just ridiculous. But the rest of the team, we have to take a good look at all of the personnel as well. And when you see that, you realize we're putting out teams of players who aren't really doing it technically. And maybe that's just a personnel switch that Martinez needs to make, not even necessarily a formation change, just new personnel that can, you know, more more effectively convert crosses. Uh, and uh, that's that's a really good point. And then this comment from Vasco here, plus the fact that we don't have wingers capable of creating something. Exactly. So this is this all together. It sucks because this is not good to help you establish with because you have to establish with on teams that pack the box in order to get the defenses to come out. You need to expand the line, right? Because the more they pack the box, the easy, the harder it is for us to get in. And then all of our shots are coming from 20, 25 meters out. That's not good. So you need crosses to come in to force defenders, especially if they're good crosses, to force defenders to come out to pressure them so that they're not good crosses. Then you also need people out on the wing that can actually take players on, guys like Rusai. Maybe Onyekuru will be able to do this. People that are dynamic because then again, now you're forcing the defender to actually come play you or you're forcing a double. You're forcing two defenders to come out, especially if you're more dynamic, to, to stop the threatening areas, stop the threatening guys. This all helps you break down these, these buses. And when you don't do that or when you don't have good crosses, you they're just going to keep doing what they're doing because you're not threatening. It's as easy as that. And this is, Adi, this is like 
kind of why I think we might benefit from signing another winger. Like Onyakuru, obviously his best attribute is those runs that he's going to make and potentially, you know, pairing up well with, with Kunde and Mvila who have an eye for those passes. But like, I wouldn't mind bringing in someone who's a bit more like technical, maybe like a Brazilian style player who attracts a lot of attention when they have the ball, even if, you know, they're not, we're probably not going to find a player who's like, incredible dribbling rates and like you know gets by their defender at a, a really efficient clip but someone who can draw that attention and maybe allow um for good pairing with a fullback on either side of the pitch would be something that i'd be interested in bringing in i know the big thing is like we need a left back in but i also think another winger would help even with henry yeah uh, look we also need another right back let's be honest here um so it's a, it's a really weird, weird situation, situation. Uh, but uh, there's a comment here. Uh, Aguilosiopis, Timikas did some good crosses. Not going to lie. Yeah, no, Timikas was a great cross for the ball. You know who else is a really good cross for the ball? Kenny Lala. The first, the first, the first instances in the game, or I should say the first threatening chance Olympiacos had of the game, we had two back to back Kenny Lala crosses that hit targets. This was from the left side as well, no, wasn't it? And from the left side, yeah. yeah. Kenny Lala is a great cross for the ball. Also, he has really good set pieces. Valbuena-esque. Why the hell isn't he taking set pieces when he's on? I mean, look, the here's, here's the reality of the situation. Look, we have gotten comfortable. We have gotten comfortable with Adruzzos playing on the right out of position because in a league where we're playing against park buses, he offers energy, overlapping ability, some skill. But we've kind of seen a little bit that in European play, he can get exposed. He's not a natural defender. He's a natural midfielder. And the way our midfield is looking, we don't, personally, I don't think we need to add any other pieces to that. I think that what we have is fine. We can even maybe see Adurutsos back. Either way, for me, whether Adurutsos is playing right back or midfield, I just want to see him play. So if he's going to get minutes playing as a right back, I'd rather see him playing right back. Or if he's going to get minutes as a midfield, fine, I'll see him there. I just want to see him play. Adi, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on Andrusos, the winger? He has the final I'll, ball. I'll he's, give give it a shot. I don't mind like, giving it a shot. That because, as you say, like he is a natural midfielder, but I just don't see him getting in those like like especially if we don't sell Madi. Who, where, who, when's he going to get to play in the yeah. midfield? Well, maybe and that's as the a point. number 10, maybe, but like in, in summary, I think right. he's a right back. If you know, for, for, as you say, Adi, like the games when we need to attack more against teams in Greece or whatever, but yeah. I maybe see him more as, as a forward player, as a number 10, if Fortunis can't play as a winger, if we don't yeah. sign anyone else and he can just sit there and cross, cross, cross. And we know he can do that, and he's dynamic in that final third. I, he's maybe not the quickest. He's maybe not adapted to that position. But like I could, I would maybe be interested in in seeing that. Um, but track going back to the right back situation because we, I don't know if we've said it on the podcast, but George Baldock is a name that's been hanging around the press. He's yeah, English. He's an English. But also technically Greek has a Greek grandfather, <laughs> yeah. one of those things. So yeah, Greek, possible Greek international. There's a there's a connection there. He is uncapped, yeah. so he could get the paperwork and play for Greece if he wanted to. Uh, he plays for Sheffield United. 
he's a decent player. I've not watched a ton of him, but um, they got relegated. So he's in the championship now and kind of looking for a move. I believe Adi, the word is that he's expressed interest in playing with us. Yes. Um, but it makes an interesting situation. I'm a big Kenny Lala guy. I will acknowledge he's not been everything that we have dreamed he would be. Um, but I'm not necessarily ready to entirely give up on him. Uh, and with th those three players, Baldock, Andruzos, Lala, basically what's going to happen is either somebody's just going to be on the bench and not play, which would be sad. Or um, maybe Andruzos goes and plays up further elsewhere on the pitch and Lala and Baldock battle it out and rotate or whatever. Uh, or maybe Kenny Lala gets sold. I don't even know. But like I... I the only reason I'm hesitant with Baldock is because I still believe Kenny Lala can maybe do it. I want to give him maybe a bit more time. Um, and, and I feel like this move might end up with just Kenny Lala not playing and getting sold for pennies at the, at the winter transfer window. The, uh, the thing with Kenny is people are expecting something that it, Kenny isn't. He's not, he's not a winger that's going to beat guys one-on-one. -on -one. He's not like a wing back like that. We said even on the deep dive when he came in, he is a defensive fullback first. He can get forward. He's going to use his, his physical attributes to get forward and whip a nice cross in. He's very accurate, but that's the type of – he's not going to beat guys one-on-one. -on -one. He's going to connect well. He can do interplay. He didn't see a lot of that context with Strasburg because he wasn't playing in a defensive counter. And th this is what he is. Like People are expecting something that he's not, and they, they think that they're going to get something else. That's not the case. Kenny Lala is going to be the better in, in the group stage. If we make it to the Champions League group stage and we're on the defensive of, against these better teams, that's where Kenny Lala will shine. I promise you guys that because he's a better defensive player. We need somebody that's better for breaking teams down. Uh, another comment from Eleftherios Machinis, Leonardo Kutris. Guys, stop dreaming. It's He's not coming back. I don't know what happened between him and Martins, but he is not in the plans as long as Martins is head coach. This is not happening. Adi, one thing I want to say about Lala as well, because one thing I've sort of noticed is, like, I, I think the point that we need to make is, as you said, like, he has been in Strasbourg's team for years, and he was very, 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 very good. Martial, who is, like, French and watches a lot of Ligue 1, like, will tell you, he is insanely good. There's no question about the talent being there, but he's not used to being pushed that far forward. Like in any context, you know, even, even just doing regular Olympiacos right back duties where you get in the final third and cross, he's not doing that as much. And one thing I've noticed is I see him sprinting back a lot and having to recover a lot. Um, obviously like, you know, that's kind of what football and transition is, but like, I some I it, it doesn't seem like his greatest skill to me. That's something that he needs to work on is is that transition because it's not something he has a whole lot of experience from. Adi, I don't know if, if this is something that's popped out to you with your football brain, but um like it seems like that despite his pace might be something where like we miss him. But I think defensively in terms of one-on-one -on -one in a duel in like regular open play, uh, is where he's really, really strong. And that's yeah. honestly why like part of me was advocating to use him as a right center back in the back three sort of in, in the way that Holebas was because right. um, he is a very good defender on the ground and his he's physical uh, and experienced. That's that it definitely is a potential use of him. It wasn't something I considered uh, look with the way his positioning is on the defensive end of the, the ball. 
fundamentally, he does everything correct. He puts himself where he's supposed to be. When the ball's coming in, he, he keeps the player with the ball to the outside as much as he can. He passes off when they cut inside. He doesn't get beat easy. He's very physical. He, so he, does, the, he does that stuff right. But again, because he's not flashing, he doesn't do stepovers going forward, and he's not like the fastest guy in the world. People are like, oh, he's a terrible bring back. He's horrible at right back. Terrible. He's playing terrible. No, that's not the case. That's not the case. And I know we got off on a tangent here, uh, so we'll we'll end up the, the Kenny Lala thing on this note. We do need another right back, I think. I, I do think we need that, like another actual defensive right back, and we need to play Adrutos a little bit more forward. So that'll be my final thought before we go back into kind of what went wrong with the first leg with Olympiacos. Peter, what are your thoughts? Same, do you agree about the right back? Um, I think it probably helps, but I, I would do so under the under the assumption, I guess, that Andrusos will still get to play and elsewhere. Because I think he can be, I swear he can be a good winger on either side. And he's pl he played left wing like once last year, I think. Uh, yes. And maybe as a substitute. Yes. But I think he can do it. Um, Me too. So if, on, if Martins believes that, then I think he is, I think signing a right back is a great idea. If Martins doesn't see Andruzos in another role, and we're just going to have three right backs, and one of, you know, one of them is not going to play a whole lot, one of them is not going to play at all. Yep. Uh, and whoever that ends up being, it's kind of uh, a waste of a player. It's it's bad for the player themselves. Um, so I would want to make sure that we can still, because these are, you know, Baldock, hypothetically, Andrusos, Lala are all very talented and deserve to play. And it would be a waste if, if one of them just rots on the bench. So that's, I would say, sign a right back under the condition that Andrusos goes and plays somewhere else. Yep. Um, Aguilo, hold on to this. Aguilo saying we must play four at the back. We are going to really get into the difference between the 3-4-3 and the 4-4-2 from last game in just a few moments. Uh, Adis P, I really hope there's a left-back transfer in the works behind the scenes. Martins apparently doesn't want Escudero. We've been hearing this as well, that maybe he's not the type of wingback he's looking for. But look, we uh, here's what the rumor is. The rumor is if we get past Ludogorets and we get into the playoff round, most likely against Rangers, if they turn it around next leg, we are bringing in two bands. One will be a left back and one will be a winger, another winger. So this is what we're hearing uh, as far as that rumor is concerned. And then lastly, uh, Alexander El Ghazar, we're going to put the nail in the coffin on the Lala talk. I think we should give Lala some time. The reason he wasn't great last match is because he was playing as a right wing back. He is a solid right back. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, Alexander. And Adi, just one more comment about the transfers before we move on. I know we're being very vociferous today, but <sighs> Martins doesn't want Escudero. I, I believe it. I, I haven't seen the report myself, but you know, I'm, I'm sure that's a, a something that's been in the press. Pedro, we don't want to wait till the last day again, okay? You got I know we've got a little bit of time, but be careful about being too picky because we don't want to end up forcing a move for Ruben Vinagre who doesn't want to come at the last minute. Okay? So, yep. Let's, you know, we don't you take the best that's available. Last year we spent all this time striking out on players, not picking up players because we didn't want them and we got screwed. So, Let's figure it out and let's let's remember the mistakes that we made last summer, even though it was a weird summer. That's all I'm going to say about that. Get us a left yep. back in.
No, yeah, and we don't, or getting stuck with a thirty-seven-year-old running him into the ground every day, right? Who was supposed to not play, by the way? Yeah, and, and did much, much better than we expected, and was yeah. actually like a godsend in the sense that, like, <laughs> it could have been yeah, a lot worse. Exactly, you know, that's all I'm going to say. Um, anyway, oh, go ahead. You could get. <laughs> Lam- you could, Lambro you could... just says, "What is Martin's criteria for fullbacks? Garbage. Get Escudero in." We agree, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. We I was agree. a fan of Escudero. I mean, I know that he's like a little older now, but I think he'd be perfect. He's uh, not a bad that's... age, really. For a couple no, of years, he can do not. the job. Jose Olivas was 37. <laughs> especially as a stopgap, as a stopgap until Apostolopoulos gets up yeah, there. Man. Come on, is he that bad? I don't. I don't anyway. Know. Anyway. Moving Adi, back to get to the wide scout here. We let we're gonna get we're getting into that, but uh kind of go moving back, kind of refreshing everybody what we just what led us into that tangent. It was what went wrong. We talked about the bad movement in the midfield when the CBs had the ball. We also talked about our poor execution in the final third. Well, there was one more thing that went wrong. And that was fucking Hassan. Hassan was garbage, absolute garbage. He's been garbage this whole preseason. So I have some data for you guys for Hassan. So, so far in preseason. Okay. So in the three champions league qualifiers that we've played, Hassan has had in, in three games, an expected goal differential of 1.3. So whether you think that's good or not, he should have at least one goal in three games, which is good. I mean, if you score a striker, a goal in three, that's not bad. That's a decent conversion rate, right? So he should have with the chances he's had, 1.3 1.3 XG. Now, here's something that XG doesn't measure, right? Remember, you only get an XG metric if you actually take a freaking shot. It doesn't count for all the times he gets the ball in the box and does nothing with it. He penguin waddles with it while he's trying to dribble past the defender or he just can't settle it, whatever it is. So in the last three games, the last three competitive matches, the last three UCL qualifiers that Hassan has played against Ludogorets and Azerbaijani champions, Six shots, four of which have been on target. It's pretty good, right? At, at the at the side of that. He's had 14 opportunities in the box. 14 chances where the ball has come to him. Regardless, regardless of what he did with it. 14 opportunities. Three of those, he couldn't properly settle it. 11 touches where he had possession of the ball. 11 touches, guys. So he had 11 Times where he actually had possession of the ball in the box. 11. I tell, I don't know if you guys realize, but when you check other strikers, other strikers that have this type of volume score a lot. They score decent. Even if they're it's bad, they're scoring at least a couple goals. A couple of them, right? Even the bad ones. If they're getting 11 touches in the penalty area. This is absurd. 11 touches in the penalty area for in three games, and he has nothing. Absolutely nothing to show for it. That is awful. So this is this is the poor part. And there was, uh, Peter, you had that great comment up. Um, I think, was it from Vascor? Guys, we have to score if we want to get past to the next round. Only El Adabi can do it. Uh, there's another one here. El Adabi without a leg is greater than Hassan Olympier. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Chris Oxford, <laughs> they have to give Hassan to the B team or send him out alone because I don't think there's going to be anyone lining up to buy him. Guys, we paid two million. Send him the highlight tapes of like the 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 five game winning goals he had, and just leave out the fact that he's a lamppost for the other eighty nine minutes of the game. Maybe we'll get someone to bite. Nottingham Forest, genuinely, Adi Hassan at Nottingham Forest, who says no. 
Yeah, the, we should sell Hassan. I don't know why Martins is playing him. Look, guys, if first Tiquinho of all, was, if Tiquinho was healthy, he wouldn't. If Tiquinho was healthy, he probably wouldn't. You know, he'd be a third string striker. Here's the thing: Hassan has bailed us out. We have to recognize that he had a great season last season. Frustrating because we know we saw some of the dumb shit he does. But as long as he was converting, as long as he was converting those chances, it's okay. All right, we we accept that. But he is Zafirov. You hit the nail on the head right here. He is a sub. Just that. And you, he can't. He can't run. He can't run an offense. He doesn't have that. Look, guys, El Adabi, in less than half the time on the field when he got subbed on, had the same, if not more, impact than Hassan. Same touches, same passes. In fact, more production, right? Because he actually created stuff. So, Vascor, we have tolerated far too long Hassan. He is a joke. As a starter, yes, he's a joke. He can't be playing. He's a great sub. He has a purpose for us. He has a purpose. He's an impact player. He can get on those. He's scrappy. Look, there's no, there is no coincidence here that Hassan gets into the scoring opportunities that he does, right? So he's able to anticipate that. He's he's very scrappy. So that is not by chance. But you have to finish the damn chances, right? So th this is the problem here. And we can't, we can't, uh, that's tough, man. That's tough. Because remember, Caristeas didn't really have feet either. Lambro, so Lambro asks Hassan or present-day 47-year-old Aguilos Caristeas. Caristeas is too busy over with Aris. He's uh, he's yeah. building a great pro – oh, wait. You're telling me they're already out of out of Europe? Oh, never mind. Yeah. Maybe he does have some time to play for us. Anyway, Adi, that's anyway. enough Hassan slander for one day. I think the the people might want more, but I think we've we've said enough. We've done and, enough. Uh, yep. I mean, yeah, one of the interesting things about last game, we have a lot of people talking about the formations. Steven wrote a brilliant article for us on our website, yep. game79tl.com, about all the formations that we have used or could use. Um, we used two formations in the last game, and so that provides for us a really nice juxtaposition uh, between the 3-4-3 the three, three and the 4-4-2. Four, four, um, now, of course, we could come out with a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3, on Tuesday against Ludogorets as well. And maybe one of those is the best option. It's something we can talk about. Um, but we have a lot of people, including Alexander Algazar, clamoring to hear about the formation here. Um, Adi, you've got some Y Scout for us, I believe, about you know just the comparison between the two formations that we did use last week. Um, and I'm sure you have some words as well for the other two formations that we've used previously and could employ against Ludogorets in Correct. the second leg as well. Correct. There's a comment here. I don't know how to read. I'm assuming this is Bulgarian. Um, I don't know how to read your name. I'm sorry, but he said Ludogorets had a huge advantage on the flanks. And yes, uh, the the reason, and King said the same thing, they had uh, players that were super fast. Yes, uh, Ludogorets uh, does have some great pace on the wings, and our wing backs were pressed higher up, which saw us get exposed. You guys saw that, but I'm going to address this in the data because we did a much better job of addressing this in the second half. So, guys, the 3-4-3 versus the 4-4-2, I did a full analysis uh, half by half. More, It's more like the first half and part of the second half versus when Kenny, sorry, when Jan and Vila came on. And the, the stats were pretty shocking. So when we switched from the 3-4-3 to the 4-4-2, a number of things happened. First of all, we possessed more. Now, you can make the argument that perhaps Ludogorets was defending deeper. 
And that's possible. That is true. However, they were already defending deeper from the first half and playing on the counter. But we let them take possession because our midfield fell apart. Anyway, so in terms of XG, uh, 0.64 XG in the second half versus 0.32 in the first half. Neither one is super impressive, but it was better in the second half. Four shots, one on target in the first half. Eight shots, two on target in the second half. Literally double. Double the production in the second half. Uh, in terms of our uh, attempted passes, I told you guys before, 211 in the first half. So many backward and lateral passes. In the second half, we attempted almost 300 passes, guys. Or sorry, I should say closer to 280. 277 passes. With a team accuracy, pass accuracy that was better. Uh, 87%, 76 forward, 36 backward, 130 lateral. So this was good. This was much better. The possession was much better once we switched to the 4-4-2. In fact, if we look at our overall possession for each half, our overall possession in the first half was 48% versus 68% once we switched to the 4-4-2. Again, when we switched to the 4-4-2, it was more like a 4-1-3-2. Yanavila was a lone DM pivot. Two midfielders were sitting in front of him in the, in the likes of Mahdi and... Um, at, uh, I forgot who was sitting exactly next to him. Uh, it was at first when the, when the change was made, it was Madi, uh, or no, sorry. It was, it was Madi. And then the wingers were pinched in. So both Valbuena and Masuras, instead of staying wider and pressing higher, they came in and we clogged the midfield. So that's part of why this was able to happen. You guys noticed we had a little bit better ball movement because there were more options present. Our wit started to get sacrificed, but that is the necessary evil when you need to reestablish control of the game. In terms of positional attacks, guys, 11 positional attacks in the first half. That's it. We only had 11, and only one resulted in a shot, and that was the Kenny Lala double feature. I'll call it the double feature because he got on the ball twice. That was our only goal threat. The whole half was from that, that attack, and we had 11 of them. Second half was a different story. 24 positional attacks, five shots resulting from it. Much better. Much better. Uh, in terms of counters, our counters suck. Our counters have sucked for over a year now. So that's not something that really surprises me. Um, in terms of the crosses, first half, 12 crosses. We connected two of them. Second half, 17 crosses. We connected six of them. So much better. Much better in the second half. Still not where we want it to be, but much better. Um, another thing that really, really, really affected us was our press. We did not press well or press high in the first half. Uh, in fact, I've brought this up before, guys. Uh, PPDA, for those that didn't remember or haven't listened to the stats episode that we've done, guys, it's still on Anchor Podcast. If you want me to run through and explain what stats mean, it is still there. But PPTA, PPDA means passes per defensive action. So that means how many passes do we as a team allow before we make a defensive action? And PPDA, as far as the press is concerned, is only concerned about the pressures in the top half of the field. We don't care about presses in our half of the field because that's not a press. That's just us defending. So PPDA in the first half for us was 14.19. That's mm, not so good. That's like the same PPDA we have when we play against really good teams at Champions League. But in the second half, it was most of the half, it was under 10. It averaged out at about 10.4. That's much better. And you notice we were able to pressure better and relieve pressure from us because the more you're on the ball, the less they are. I know it sounds really stupid and John Madden esque to say, but that's how it is. 
And for those of you who don't know who John Madden is, he's a legendary uh, American football uh, player and reporter, but he used to say the most obvious things, and it was kind of hilarious. Anyway, uh, match tempo, much higher in the second half. Or sorry, I'm going to change that. Match tempo was the same in the second half. So match tempo is the the number of passes per, per pure minute of possession. So we didn't change how fast we were playing the ball. But the passes were better, and they were more accurate and more progressive, so more forward. That's all that changed with respect to our possession. So we pressed better. We didn't allow any through balls in the second half either. The more forward passes and progressive passes, plus we were just doing better breaking into the final third. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think all those numbers paint a pretty clear picture. So I suppose maybe the last thing that we want to discuss, Adi, is is what is the solution for the next uh, the next leg? Um, you know, I think maybe not a back three, um, but you know, I'm not totally sure. Like, there's there's so many different options we could go. One thing I think um, I think maybe a four two three one is is the formation that we might want to pursue. On Tuesday, just because after all, we absolutely need a goal, uh, and and we have the players who can do it if we just play the right personnel. Um, so for me, I want to see El Arabi up top, uh, and you know, Hassan nowhere near the starting eleven. Maybe he can come in if we need a set piece in the last couple minutes of the game. Another thing I think is, um, I actually want Matthew Valbuena to come off the bench. Uh, on Tuesday, and this might be a bit of a, a surprise for some people, but I think one important thing to remember in all sports in general is it's not about who starts, it's about who finishes oftentimes, and I think if we could bring Mattia on at the 45th minute potentially and have him come on and inject some some sparks into our team, I think our substitutes have, you know, well, we had baby Kamara come on and score the goal, but I think a lot of times, you know, we, we sort of run out of gas and... Uh, and the changes don't really remedy that. Um, so I think maybe starting baby Kamara and leaving Mathieu on the bench might be an option. Um, and then I guess that would leave Masuras and maybe Vrusai on the wings. Uh, do not want to start Lazar. Uh, we probably would, you know, still have to do that two-man midfield, but maybe um, Kamara and Mvila uh, would be healthy enough to, to hold that down, or maybe Kunde could come in. I believe Buhalakis is still going to be unavailable. And then as the back four, I think maybe we could see Kenny Lala in the back four, maybe Andrusis. I wouldn't be upset either way, um, but it's a back four. So it's going to be a little bit better. Uh, it sounds like maybe Apostolopoulos will be on the left. And then Adia, I, I actually don't know what to say about the center backs either, because we have so many options when we're just playing two of them. I mean, we've we slandered the hell out of Semedo last time, so I almost would do something like Socrates and Cisse or Socrates, maybe get Markovic in there some somehow. But like, I wouldn't mind seeing Semedo out of the team. I know it's not going to happen, but that's just my uh, opinion. And then the goalkeeper is an interesting situation as well. I would say maybe we can talk about that a little bit because we got a couple comments about it. But looks like we might still see Tsolakis again. What's the deal with Vatchlik? Is he going to play? Is he fit? Who knows. Um, so all of that is, is very interesting. Adi, I don't know if you have any thoughts or opinions, but we do have some comments here as well. Um, we have 
our, our friend from what I presume is Bulgaria, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but they say if you want to leave Bulgaria with a victory, you just have to score the first goal. Otherwise, if Ludogorets scores first, it will be very difficult for your team. Um, I think this is a very good point. And, you yeah, know, if, if we come out with the 4-2-3-1, we could very easily do that. Yeah. And uh, also, this commenter, if you could, like, phonetically spell this out in English so I know how to say your name, because I feel bad. I I don't know how to yeah, even we, read Yeah, we apologize. This, but... We do apologize. But... But yeah, the Vajlik situation is interesting because it seems like we're going to go with Solakis again, which it's weird, right? Um, I would hate to implicate that perhaps he's not match fit considering he played in the Euros. So anyway, a little weird there. But yeah, I mean, look, uh, whatever whatever happens, I think I'm confident Solakis did quite well we also post somebody posted a graphic i think it was theo ioannidis posted a, a on our twitter and tagged us the picture of the of the free kick and yeah literally like everybody jumps in the wall except for hassan and the ball goes right over his head had he jumped he hits the ball and so like you know that, that that goal doesn't go in so um look i think so is is good for to start this game we have the quality to win this game. I want us to get out early, whether we play four two three one or four four two. I I just don't want to see a three four three right now. In terms of the center back options, I'd rather see us with some quicker ones. So maybe like a Semedo Semedo Ba or Semedo Markovic Semedo Cisse. I'm fine with any one of those. And I don't think Socrates will be good for this. Um, uh, I want to see that clog the midfield so that we can really hold on to possession and maybe keep our right backs deeper. So whether it's Apostolopoulos playing, uh, like we're hearing is going to happen, Oleg might not play, uh, sit deeper, more balanced approach, but clog the midfield so that we can maintain possession. If we do that correctly and El Arabi starts, I think uh, we will be fine. I would prefer to see if we run a 4-4-2, I would prefer to see El Arabi with, you know, big man, little man. El Arabi and Valbuena next to him. If it has to be El Arabi and Hassan, I will deal with it. I won't be happy about it, but I will deal with it because that's the context that Hassan does the best in. Well, and I want to say as well, I commented on this after the game, but I almost feel like sometimes El Arabi as second striker is almost wasting him a bit because especially with the midfield that we were playing with last time, like, he was dropping in quite deep a lot. Like he, he wasn't getting on in positions where he was going to score. He was forced to do a lot more of the work in buildup because Hassan is a lamppost and doesn't do any of it, which I guess like one striker is always going to be a bit more forward in that four, four, two, but like we want El Arabi on the goals. That's why we brought him in. We didn't bring him in for him to sit there and like check in and get the ball in midfield and, you know, deliver it to the wingers, whatever. So that was a bit frustrating for me, to be honest, and why like I'm not really enthused about the 4-4-2 personally. But, I mean, we have to say as well, Adi, have we heard anything about Henry Onyakuru potentially playing? Um, I don't think so. He's on the squad list. but He's like, on the squad list. It's yep. still early, and, you know, obviously I think they just did that so they could play him if they yep. needed to. But if he's healthy, maybe a 4-4-2 with Henry and Ed Arabi could be interesting as well with him getting forward maybe is, is something that we could think about. I don't think it's a starting option. I think maybe a sub if things aren't going well. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but, I definitely yeah. think the the four two three one is what I would start. 
Yeah, that's that's what I you know as long I just don't want to see a three four three again um, because it didn't do well. I'd rather get I'd rather I'd rather see us go with the four three three go go with where the depth is for us. You know, right now our depth is in our depth is in the midfield. We have depth, of course. We have depth at the defense as well. Our center backs are quite, are doing quite well, which perhaps is why we started with the three four three because maybe that was the logic, but. You know, where when it comes to like wing, look, Masuras, Masuras got into some good scoring positions. He did he did decently well. I would have liked to see him make more attempts on goal, but he did have an opportunity right in the beginning and he he did his work getting back like he always does. So he, he's just not gonna be that guy that always wins those one-on-ones. I'd like to see hopefully maybe Vrusai get some action. Um, I'm done with with Lazar Radejevic. I'm I'm done with that. Maybe we'll see Onyekuru at some point. Um, but we have to have, we, we have to use the depth that we have at the positions we have the skill players in. And I want to see that. So if we see that, I think we'll be okay. I would love to see Onya crew. Uh, Aris P had mentioned what we talked about before. Uh, he might get 20, 30 minutes. I hope so. Uh, Johnny Tabukas, uh, one of our bloggers. I feel like it's time to see the European four, three, three again. You know, if the strength is in your midfield, why not use it? Uh, and I, I'd be okay with that too. Look, I, Four three three four four two, whatever it is, that's what I'd rather see instead of uh, three four three. Yeah, I think um, I prefer four two three one, but we'll also take four three three for the main reason that you mentioned, Adi, and that our midfield is full of really talented players, and so it's easy to construct a lineup with with all of those guys, and maybe you know playing that more consistently gives uh, gives Andrutos potentially a shot to rotate into midfield every so often. So if we do pick up that formation more consistently, maybe that's something that we see, but obviously yeah. in Greece, we're not, I'm going to get mad if we use it in Greece every game, but the, the only reason I'm down on the four, two, three, one is that um, our only real 10 that is on the team is Valbuena. And yeah, you know, then we're forcing him. You know what I mean? He can't last a full ninety minutes anymore. We're, yeah, we're already yeah, running him into Kamara the ground. Forty-five and Matteo forty-five. <laughs> That's what I say. Uh, baby Kamara, I think is good. Is going to be fantastic. But again, a young guy. Look what happened to Solis at, at Balk, Right? We can't. We can't also run a young guy like that into the ground because he's going to go through phases like that. And we don't have. A, we don't have Fortuny. So is that, Solis officially off to Norwich? By the way. Is that, not, uh, is that it's gone? if we believe what's being reported by sport time and and some I've actually seen some of the the reporters that report on Norwich saying that it's you know there there's a there's a like an actual like 13 plus two million offer it's being signed he's going up there his wage is going up like four times two so it seems like it's happening and I believe it's happening at this Good point if they're saying it so uh, but yeah, uh, going back to the four, two, three, one, because of that 10 ish issue, we don't have like a mainstay 10 available currently besides Valbuena. That's why I'm hesitant. And I don't like Madi playing the 10, even though he can play it decently. He's not the best 10. He can play it, but he is way better when you let him sit deeper, get forward himself. He is an eight. He is one of our most creative players on the team, and he needs to have that space to be fully effective. Madi and Vila and Kunde, a four-three-three with those, and I think Run I think we're I think we're in the driver's seat. Masuras playing on the left if it's four-three-three, or if we're running four-four-two, Masuras sitting as like one of those deeper wingers, also fine. And then on the right side, 
whether whether we roll with um uh whether we roll with somebody like Vrusai or whether we do four 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 two and it's Valbuena and El Arabi, I'm good with that as well. Or four three three Valbuena's uh, an inside winger, I'm okay with that as well. So I think this is uh I think this is what we need to go with. But we have to learn from the mistakes we made, which was we gave up midfield space and we gave up the midfield battle, left too many gaps. Can't do that again. And there was a comment from our Bulgarian friend a little bit earlier uh, that I think he was spot on about. Um, I can't find it, but he had mentioned if we let Ludogorets score early, it's a problem. And it is. We need to score. We need to be the ones on the front foot and let it be their problem. Let them open themselves up. That's what we need to do. That needs to be the game plan. And if we follow that game plan, I think we'll see ourselves to the next round. Well, there you go. Adi, I think that about wraps it up for us today. I don't know if you've got anything else, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting game. Um, we will have another episode that we're, we're going to record live tomorrow with Matodi Shumanov once again. Um, and we'll probably have that out, you know, at least a day before the game to give everyone um, an opportunity to listen and get, the side of uh, the tactical preview from Ludogorets, and we will go again live. I won't be there, but um, after the game to chat, and uh, it'll either be a really positive uh, podcast or a really sad negative podcast because we'll be knocked out of Champions League group stage. Um, but until then, thank you very much, everybody, for listening, especially if you've made it this far. Thanks to everyone who came in and left your comments. We really appreciate it. Make sure to leave a like on the video, subscribe and comment to say hi if you're coming to us from YouTube. Um, share the podcast to any friends who might be interested if you liked what you listened to. And uh, yeah, Adi, I don't know if you've got anything else. That about does it yeah. for me. Uh, and thank, you know, we, we hit 1K on 1,000 followers on Insta. So thank you guys. Um, we've been well well over 1,000 for Facebook for quite some time. So thank you, guys. The, the social media following is continuing to go up. Uh, we had said thank you uh, on social medias before. We hit 500 subs on YouTube not too long ago. So, guys, we are growing. It is We're growing, and you have been a part of that. Every single one of you, many of whom have been in our comments talking to us, helping us drive the conversation for so long. Uh, there's been a lot of you. Uh, Aris P, uh, Aguilos Siopis, uh, Eleftherios Mahinis, Zafirov Five. You guys have been with us from the beginning. I don't see, I don't see our good friend uh, Fetanos here today. He's usually here also. So many of you have Vascor been with left us. A lot of comments today as well. Yeah, Vascor also. Okay, we forgot um, people, by the way. It doesn't mean we hate you. I'm just yeah, Roman Smirnidis, Ramada drummer who left us with that that uh, the Ike the geography thing that still sticks with me. After that episode, that was hilarious. But yeah, thank you guys because as much as you know, us doing this is making it happen, you guys make this happen too. Because without you, we couldn't do what we do. We couldn't be doing what we're doing now. So thank you. And please continue. There's so much more coming. There you go. Everyone, enjoy the rest of your day. Hope you enjoyed. We will be back tomorrow. So until then, we'll see you very soon. You just listened to an episode of the Gate 7 International Podcast, a podcast connecting Olympiacos fans from Brussels to Tokyo, from Toronto to Geneva. 
We are four Olympiacos fans from every corner of the world, bringing you news and interviews of the team you love in English. With new episodes twice a week, you'll never miss out on the latest updates and stories of the team you love. If you liked what you heard, make sure to follow us on social media at Gate7INTL. Give us a subscribe on YouTube or even leave a review on all our podcast channels. Until next time, this is our team, our city, and our story. Thrilos, he said. Στο μυαλό κάτι μαγικό.